episode 35, we have a professional trumpet player in to bring in the uh, episode today. What an instrument. All right. <laughs> All right. I've got to go. You got to... <laughs> what do you mean you've got to go? I've got to go trim the beard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, how long have you been growing the beard? Growing a beard since Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday. How, uh, and what? why? Because everyone's got one. Because it's trendy? Yes. God, yours doesn't look very trendy. It will do. <laughs> that is Lee Zebedee, everyone. Have we had him on before? Once yeah, before, once, yeah. I think. But, yeah, but uh, not for this long. He's got to go. Have you got to go, mate? Are you trying to get rid of me? Well, I think you were going to go a second ago, and now you're getting all excited. All so. right. See you later. Yep. Yep. Bye. Close the door, mate. Bye. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes. Yes. Um, what an instrument he's got, isn't it? It's very, very skillfully played. I, I don't know how to answer. Is that even a question? It was more or of a statement. Well, yeah, I think <laughs> it was very rhetorical, wasn't yeah. it? Um, yeah, want a real trumpet, guys. That was unexpected. He wasn't supposed to start the show, so we've actually got some music <laughs> to open the show, everyone. So here is what was supposed to have happened. So I'm holding, I'm holding on So close to you So there goes Keith Washoe, Keith Daniel Washoe. We met him at the Vocalize You Winter Retreat this year and uh, self-reviewed, soppy American. I'm up for a bit of soppiness though. Are you? Yeah. Yeah, I am actually. I don't know whether it's the time of year. I think it's all year for you, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. You're always a little bit. You're always a little bit. Or I'm sensitive. (laughs) If that's what you want to call it. Mr. Dead Inside. If you want to call it. Yeah. Um... But yeah, that is a soppy song. That's, no, that's country song. for you, isn't lovely it? Lovely song, lovely song. Do you like that song? I do like that song, actually. I like the vocal. Um, Keith isn't singing that, by the way. That's that He's got a guest vocalist in on that. Is it Keith or Keith? Is he Irish? N- not that I'm aware. Although there's some what was really, just really American-Irish crossover in there a lot of the time. So there is. Who knows? I think they're in Boston, aren't they? I'm, I, I get all my information about this from films. <laughs> I don't really know. Is it? Bo- you, can, you guys can write in and tell us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, country seems like a good choice if you want to be a bit depressed, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Is it the is it the <laughs> guitars? Or... I think it could be. Yeah. I think it could be. We got, we got quite attached to a country record, didn't we? Driving around America drink, a few drink a beer. Like, years ago. Drink a beer. Drink a beer. Hang on, what's his name? It's uh, Luke Bryan. Oh, what a song! Sang that. And the thing is, we being. Um, in the magical world of wherever it was, Phoenix. Mm, driving through the, the desert. 
yeah, you know, you, you listen to a song and you only really hear one lyric. So we were like, drink a beer, you know, thinking it was a song about drinking beers. But, uh, you know, I got back to England and it came on on my random Spotify playlist in the right. car with, with my girlfriend, Natalie. Mm. And I said, oh, I love this tune. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. We were driving really around Really joyful. Yeah, joyful. Driving around America years ago, you know. And then at the end of the song, she said, oh, it's really sad. <laughs> and I just thought, is it? <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds pretty awesome to me. He's getting smashed. Yeah, he's getting smashed. He's just sat on a pier drinking beer. I mean, come on, who, who wouldn't want to do that? And then... Um, when we spoke about it and I looked up the song meaning, it was about his brother and sister who'd passed away. Ooh. That is sad. Mm. But isn't it, uh, from that moment on, I thought to myself, listen to the lyrics. Mm. Like, pay attention. I don't know why it didn't happen. Don't just listen to the kind of windy guitars. Yeah, don't just, well, we're, take, we're, we're taken in the Phoenix Desert. Yeah. Arizona Desert. So, sorry about that. I've well, listened. Although something to be said for personal interpretation, you know, could mean anything to you. I think it's pretty obvious in the song. Right. Pretty obvious, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. I'm more observant now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> guys. Well, there's Keith anyway. Thank you, Keith. Thanks for getting in touch and um, look forward to seeing you in the summer, probably, when we're hanging around in LA. Maybe. Yeah. We'll probably... Is that where he lives? Probably. Probably. Doesn't everyone in America <laughs> live there? <laughs> so uh, what the hell is happening today anyway? Uh, Obviously, we had, um, we had Lee intro um and then we had keith's music and then what is the main the main the main event for today it's robin de haas um i don't know if you'd pronounce it like that but robin's awesome uh he's been a force in the world of breathing he's the sort of guy that presents at um european doctors conferences and they ask him his opinion on the breathing apparatus and how it's used in speech and singing. Um, he doesn't mention this on the podcast, but he also goes down to the United Nations uh, and um, works with the guys there on how they speak and announce. He's also a really experienced singing teacher, but I think you and I can both say from some of the from some of the techniques that he will share with you in this podcast. You know, we we actually managed to get get educated in some of those before the podcast was even recorded um, back back last year. And they're really effective. Some of the, the breathing exercises, the counting to 10, the high residual volume mm. uh, problem that he will talk about in there, it's brilliant. Really, really good. So of huge amount of use. So here he is. Today we have Robin de Haas. Did I say that correctly? You did. Excellent. Uh, Robin de Haas is a... Uh, as we're happy to have, an expert on breathing. Uh, he's a vocal coach based out of Switzerland, which I might say, actually, every person I know that goes to Switzerland has some amazing Instagrams to send back to us. Mm. It is a beautiful place. <laughs> Isn't it? And chocolate. And chocolate, yes. Right? Um, and clocks, which is nice. Uh, so, yeah, based out of Switzerland, um, has trained as a voice coach, but in recent years has specialised in uh, something called breathing coordination, um, which uh, from the workshop that we uh, was were lucky enough to attend back in the summer with one of your colleagues, um, was actually initially developed um, as a... Am I right in saying a relief for emphysema? 
Yes, that is correct. It was initially uh, developed intuitively by Carl Stau, who uh, was a choral director. And um, my teacher is Lynn Martin, a lady in uh, New York. And she actually took the ideas of Stau and tried to turn them into something that she could replicate. So she worded what's called some functional hypothesis as to what he was actually uh, doing. And um, for me, uh, when, I, when I met her, uh, this was um, a, a huge revelation for me because I had, I had had so many issues. And she was able to point them out so straight, like in a, such a simple, straightforward way that I was like, okay, this is it. This is the end of the, this is like the light at the, at the you know, after the long, dark tunnel. And so um, she actually um, worded those hypotheses, but she did not have any protocols or procedures. Um, and so that has been my work for about five years of structuring this method into something replicable, uh, which then turned out into a training program, which allowed me to train Elizabeth Prescott, uh, whom I sent to you guys for the, for the workshops you were mentioning. Yeah, and she's based in, she's near Los Angeles, isn't she? She is in Los Angeles and she's a fabulous breathing coordination uh, practitioner. She's wonderful. Absolutely. And I think that's why we were so keen to talk to you because uh, both Steve and I, uh, while we were there, had, um, uh, we went to the workshop, but we both had personal sessions. Uh -huh. with her um which were really really helpful because i had i have a lot of questions in all the time about everything <laughs> uh so meeting an expert is excellent but um but as well you know whenever you learn something new you kind of uh, turn your students into little guinea pigs yeah. uh and see uh or try and formulate scenarios where it's applicable to use the stuff that was used on you Yep. Uh, and I must say, actually, from some of the exercises for high residual volume, and which we're going to talk about shortly, some of those outcomes for students were phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, that has been my experience as well. But I was going to say, just based on your history, Robin, that what we, we've, I think we, we have a similar, I think all vocal coaches do have a similar route in vocal coaching. Um, and I know that ours very much, in the early days, almost dismissed breathing as a fundamental in the singing process um and i'm wondering what your so what was it was that was that what got you into the breathing thing personally or what was it that really tipped you over the edge to begin with so what happened to me is that i, I come from i trained classically uh at the uh um university here and uh uh basically my my teachers uh were telling me to support more and so i was trying to do all that work and it was actually the more I was working uh, in this direction, the more my voice got irritated. And so they said, well, you're not supporting enough, but I was doing everything I could and, and, and really tightening every muscle I could feel uh, and, and trying to expand my rib cage and to, you know, breathe low, keep the ribs open and all of that um, uh, BS that's out there. <laughs> and, uh, and so I really felt, I had come to the point of thinking, well, this is clearly not working, so perhaps there is a def default defect in my breathing mechanism. Perhaps I have, a, you know, a malfunctioning diaphragm, or perhaps uh, I am uh, malformed, you know, like a, like a, um, a handicapped person. And um, and so um, then I was looking. Uh, I had to do a thesis, you know, that's what you have to do there. I, and I was looking at uh, techniques that had helped uh, both uh, singers of opera and singers of pop because that was my subject. My thesis was um, opera singing versus pop singing, are these two worlds apart with a question mark? 
And so I, doing that and Googling that, I found out about the work of Stau, who had given amazing results on pop singers, musical theater singer, and opera singers from the Met. So that was very interesting to me. And so I went to Lynn to have a session, and I explained to her my problems. And I remember telling her, maybe there's something wrong with me. I, I don't know, but it's clearly not working, and, and my, I lose my voice very quickly. And she assessed my ribcage, and she said, oh, oh, don't worry. You just have a small rotation in your left side for on three three ribs, and that prevents you from from exhaling calmly, and then that scares you, and so you hold your breath, and then when you hold your breath, then you feel that it's held, so then you push, even though you're already trying to do this support thing that you mentioned, and so don't worry about it because if we can train the ribs into you know moving well, it's going to go easy, and then she placed her hands. I remember very clearly she placed her hands there, and she. It was very, very gentle touch, and she had me exhale uh, very calmly, and uh, and I, with the with the gentle pressure of her hands, suddenly it started moving again, and then my exhales were so long, it like they were lasting forever and ever. I mean, it was just very, very surprising to me, and then it felt like the easiest thing, and then we brought in my voice, and I no longer felt any strain, and I, I was like, it was, you know, when you when you have one of those moments when you're like okay, I'm not sure I really understand what just happened, but I feel so good and so amazing that this is it. This, is, this, is, this has to be right. I mean, there's something so exceptional in, the, in the, both how I feel. I mean, I, I felt that I was almost flying out of her studio. Like, like I felt I was walking on air or something. And, 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 uh, and my voice felt so good. I had such, such a big, suddenly a resonance and ease and... So I thought this has to be something for me, and that—that's how I, I got really pulled into it. Excellent! What a story! And yeah, you've got to love personal experience for all these kind of things. Uh, looking towards uh, some of those techniques, um, yeah, we got wind of a few uh, this summer, and there seemed to be quite a common theme with some of the approaches uh, that are being used, um, especially with you guys. But certainly, I've read a few articles that are intimating about um, high residual volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of that stuff is quite a revelation, but I'd love you to chat through for our listeners, you know, what is high residual volume? Why is it a problem? And if you're a singer, then how can you begin to tackle it? Yeah. So um, when we speak about high residual volume, we're, we're talking about too much uh, expiratory reserve volume. So what, the, what does that mean? There's, uh, in, in the lungs, you have the, the air that you exhale, you know, like right now I'm speaking to you, so obviously I'm exhaling and that's called the expiratory uh, volume. And we all have some reserve of that that we could use, but we don't necessarily do. And what happens sometimes is that we keep too much air inside. We could exhale it. It's part of the, you know, if we use our lungs and our ribs and our whole system well, we would be exhaling this air, but we don't. And so our whole system loses mobility because, you know, it's supposed to be a sort of a thing that, that pumps it in and gets it out. And in fact, it's now pumping more than it's getting out. Now, air is a gas, and gas always has a pressure. And so when um, the, the, this uh, expiratory reserve volume is kept inside you, uh, and, and it's growing, which, by the way, happens to a lot of singers that are being always told to in, you know, breathe low, inhale as much as you can, release your stomach out, all of those things that are, that are not exact definitions, or at least not, not, not detailed enough to become accurate, then they pile up air in, and this air is creating a pressure. Now, if you think about it, 
vocal cords close over subdural pressure. And so if you have too much pressure in the lungs, then this, this um, high expiratory miser volume starts creating uh, um, a sort of a sort of a inside pressure and you become to feel very tired you get to feel very very tired because the vocal cords are compressing the air so if the air comes with too much pressure then they irritate and what happens is that at least in my understanding of things from how we speak in breathing coordination um, the vocal cords start losing their ability to oscillate from the superficial lamina propria, which is the it's the superficial lamina propria is supposed to be what's where the oscillation is, and when you have that, because it's it's um, cells that are very elastic and very flexible, you're you're good to go and you don't have uh, irritation. But if you start having too much air pressure, the vocal cords have to close harder, and then as they close harder, you get some cells that are actually made more to um, get through the wave of the sound, but not and engineer it that start participating more and the cords close too hard and that's how you can get some irritation like rubbing you know like a sh like if you have a, a new pair of shoes and your foot is rubbing in the shoe for the whole day and then you'll get a, a blister you see I mean, this 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 kind of thing and so um high residual volume is a short way to speak about this higher than desirable desirable um expiratory reserve volume is one of the big contributing factors to singers uh, uh, feeling tired. Excellent. Because excessive air pressure. Yes, yes. It, it, well, it brings about excessive air pressure because it you have this sort of a, the, the, the tank, you know, the rib cage is like a tank and it you have your tank that's already full of pressure that hasn't, that it's just static. And then on top of that, you have to inhale in space that's not available. So obviously you're going to over inhale and then the, it's going to overstretch the ribcage. So the ribcage recoil is going to be too big. And so it's going to bring about too much outflow of air. Excellent. Yeah. So, so if we're looking then at techniques to, um, to get rid of that, like backlock of air that's stuck down there, raising the pressure. Yeah. You know, well, what, what kind of things would you suggest to people to, to, to try and tackle that? Well, first of all, I have to say to really get rid of it, I, I really recommend to people to have for, to people to have an individualized assessment because you see, if for instance the lack of mobility in the rib cage comes like for myself when I said, oh, I had three pairs of ribs that were slightly rotated, it really went away when that got fixed because this was where I had the issue, which wouldn't work for anyone else in the really fixing it completely. However, there are many simple little things that you can do to start the process of, of getting uh, of getting it uh, uh, to go to go in a in a better way. And a very, very simple and effective thing that I I found, you know, that, that works for most people is to uh, um, so you, you do a, a scale and at the end of the scale, you just uh, blow you know, like you can do um, an F sound. And so, you know, you, you finish your scale and then you go and you blow the air that's still in and you check that you don't tighten your abdominal wall. The, the, the belly can move in a little bit, but you don't want to tighten it because that's going to stuck. That's going to get the rib cage a little stuck. And at the same time that you do this small F, you can actually move slightly your pelvis a little bit like dancing a samba. And if you do that, you're dancing in the what? Sorry, Robin, a samba, you know, it's like um, uh, like a um, Latino dance. Oh, beautiful. I, I think it's I think it's usually with good-looking girls, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we'd have to get some of so, those in for that. <laughs> so uh, you, 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 you finish the scale, so you're like, uh, I don't know, and during this F, 
you're actually um, moving the pelvis slightly and you're actually doing a small F and you're not tightening the abs. And if you do that and then you let the air flow in, the next, that's important, the next inhale, you don't want to go <gasps> because you're going to pile it up again. So you want to have no, no noise on the inhale and letting, letting it flow in. And then you'll see that uh, if a person tends to push, uh, um, then you do that and sometimes they just let the air flow in and then they sing and suddenly the voice just goes to a completely different place, which is really cool. Excellent. Excellent. And so, so the, the sensations, like you said, are not to um, tighten that belly. Because I know when people are at the end of their breath, they can be tempted to kind of squeeze it out or, you know, yeah. use some kind of excessive tension yeah. to get it going on. But is that not the idea? No, not at all. Not at all. Because what you exhale there, you exhale with the accessory muscles of breathing, which we actually don't really want to use. Because, the, you see, the abdominals, if you look at them, they're attached um, quite high uh, all the way up to the ribcage. Um, so I think they attach to rib number five, if I'm correct. And so if you tighten them, you also tighten their attachment at the rib level. And so if you do that, then the whole, uh, instead of exhaling fluidly and getting rid of the uh, expiratory reserve volume, you're going to squeeze the sides of the lungs, but it's not going to be effective because the, the whole ribcage is going to be sort of paralyzed by this action of tightening the abs. So that's why it's actually less efficient. It feels like more work, but you get less result out of it. Excellent. Excellent. So it sounds it's like it's, it's, it's actually more less work and less range of motion than most people would be used to in terms of breathing. Would that be correct in saying that, Robin? It's, Correct breathing coordination is an internal phenomenon that brings about a balance of air pressure. Wow. Awesome. So, yeah, I think that's really interesting that we're not actually concentrating so much on the breath in. And uh, certainly for years, it's been the focus has been on that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, many, many singers have had big issues. Like there have been women who have had uh, even issues with their um, um, sexual or organs uh, sort of coming out because of the uh, uh, of being told to uh, inhale so low and, and inflate your tummy as much as you can. And it has been documented that that, that has caused some uh, um, prolapse, which is really not something desirable at all. Especially not in a performance. <laughs> it's the last, last thing you want. I have no idea what that must feel like, and I never want to know. Oh, me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so we've got a few more things to ask you. Uh, what are the most uh, straightforward things that someone can do to improve their breath control? So you've already mentioned that getting that last bit of breath out on that last exercise is one, but what's some other really effective ones? Well, if you look at it, many, many studies have tried to look at how much airflow do we need to actually produce voice. And all the time they seem to find out that in fact, a correct produced voice is with less than what people think. So we don't need a lot of air to produce good sound, which makes complete sense in terms of resonance because if you rush the air through the resonating pipes, you're probably gonna get less amplification than if the air can linger there a little bit. And so in my perception, what people need to absolutely learn if they wish to sing is they need to learn to perform what's called a small and steady outflow of air. And this is very, very easy. You actually blow on your hand as if you wanted to do so a small steam, like imagine you want to steam a window and make a little design when it's Christmas time. And what you want to feel on your hand, so your, your mouth is open, you're blowing out air on your hand and you feel a very small heat on the hand and you don't hear a sound. So you don't hear, but you hear actually nothing and you feel a small heat. And if you can have that 
and 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 get it really something that you know and identify really really well then what you can do is you can practice this sensation with what we call the silent numbers which is basically as if you were counting from one to ten but you're actually only shaping the numbers uh, so your mouth looks like you're counting but you're only exhaling with this amount of air and you can actually feel it also on the upper part of the, the roof of your mouth because you have the soft palate there and you can feel a gentle air you know when you when you do the hand thing you can feel the air um, also inside you uh, at the in the upper back part of the mouth and then when you have that feeling of you know this very gentle blowing of air you get used to it and you practice it for 10 minutes a day and then when you sing you identify the moment where you start pushing so the pushing the air reflex in singing happens when singers feel slightly less comfortable usually when they start transitioning so see when we start transitioning our, our TA muscle has to uh, sort of get some release and, and, and sort of surrender to a little bit of CT contraction. Most nervous systems do not like that. They feel scared, they feel panicked, they feel less stable. So the, 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 what happens then is that they go, oh my God, this is changing. So I'm going to be pushing air in order to try to stabilize it. And so they'll go to the, to the um, area of the transition and they're going to start, so you'll hear, you'll hear them go, Mom, 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 suddenly they go like, oh, and, and so they use this push thing that, that most people do, and then the cords start uh, uh, grasping. And so what they need to be doing is to practice this silent number thing, and then to just do the, the scale, whatever it is, with the same sensation, the same sensation and not allowing themselves to go to blow more. And then what will happen is either they will fall into coordination and the, the, the sound will just be there with the correct balance, or they will not fall into coordination, but there won't be the push reflex. So then the voice coach can start working on adjusting the vowel. I see. So then, we, then we're into the supporting uh, training in resonance and consonants, vowels, and all those things that can stabilize us when we crack. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so the idea is that what I'm saying is very often we, as vocal coaches, run into people pushing air at the moment where they feel unstable, and that this pushing air delays greatly the capacity of the singer to find balance. Uh, because then you, you're fighting actually the imbalance in the chords, but also the imbalance in the air pressure. And I say, let's take that one out of the game and, and get the steady outflow. And when we have the steady outflow, then we can so easily change the vowel because you don't see a vowel is a pharyngeal shape, and so you're in, in a mouth shape. And so if you try to adjust those shapes with air that's rushing through, it's very hard. Whereas if the air is calm, you can start adjusting much more precisely. Mm, I like it, like it. But I guess there will be the psychological resistance that comes along with that allowance because that's where we find a lot of singers go, yeah, but I don't want to sing like that. <laughs> right? I don't want to crack. I don't want to crack. I don't want to just allow this to happen. So I guess we need to get over that first and just let everyone know that it's probably going to happen. But you know what? Very often, the vocal cords, what is, what is, if you look at a crack in terms of the vocal cords, it's usually they've received too much air pressure and they decide to let go. In order not to overcompress, they, they suddenly drastically um, release the tension in the TA. And so, so I've had a lot of cases where the crack didn't happen as soon as we had settled the outflow, mm. which, was, which was quite fascinating. So sometimes getting them to just, okay, whatever happens, don't push. It, it's okay if it cracks. It's okay if it doesn't, but just don't go with this grasping thing that you were doing. 
and and it's it's quite surprising what happens some of the times that makes a lot of sense robin okay so with that in mind are there any other breathing notions that are actually myths that you know about and you can dispel in this moment mm-hmm. yeah i would i would say um Correct breathing is actually a shared movement within the whole uh, uh, torso. So it's the whole rib cage. It's also the abdominal area, the, the back. So everything has to move a little bit. So any uh, any strength, any you know thoughts that say, oh, release completely your stomach. No, because that's going to cause too much release in the abdominal wall, which is also postural. And then the whole spine is going to start being less stable. And it will be not good because you'll then have you have a collapse in the ribs and all of that. Um, then also, if they say, oh, breathe only in the back, then obviously no, because if you only breathe in the back, then you, you will start having um, uh, some some um, uh, restriction of movement in the upper front uh, ribcage most of the time. So you want everything to move a little bit. It's the same thing for support. Support uh, in singing is actually, and this might be a little complicated just over a sound, but I'm going to try to, to, you know, to explain it. It's when the vocal cords close, the fact that they are closing, they oppose a resistance to the outflow of air. This resistance sends up some pressure back down into the body, um, and that's you know any any fluid, and that's that's uh, um, Newton with the the the, the um, laws of physics says that any fluid in movement that meets a resistance, the resistance sends back a pressure that's equivalent to the resistance down, back down. From to, in the direction where it came from. And so you have this pressure in the body that's being sent and the whole ribcage is going to actually slightly dilate to absorb this pressure. This is a very natural phenomenon. Place your hands on a baby that's crying. You're going to feel the ribs expand a little bit when the baby cries. Is this called, um, is this called apoggio? It is called apoggio. Yeah. It has been very poorly taught because most of the time people will tell you, oh, uh, push, in your, push sideways in your ribs. But the thing is, what what you will do then is that you're gonna you're gonna push uh, a sort of a voluntary way that's gonna just push your ribs out, and it's not at all going to bring you a balance of pressures. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that the degree of pressure that is being sent back into the body is a variable. It depends on how much sound you're making. So if I go very loud, then I obviously send back more pressure than if I'm very quiet. So in one single sentence of singing, the pressure that is being sent back in my body will change. And so will the dilation, because the dilation of the body is actually the body compressing this extra air pressure pressure to maintain it inside and not having it bounce back under the throat. And so it's a constantly variable movement that is absolutely natural. Some natural singers, that is what they do. But the thing is, most people don't do it in the whole system. What, what I do in breathing coordination, what we do is we, we look at, this is called um, the absorption and counterpressure system of the body. And what we do is we assess which muscles of the rib cage and the abdominals and the back muscles, which muscles are actually participating into this phenomenon and which are not. So we do an assessment of uh, which one have to be redeveloped for this specific individual. So any train of thought that tells you, oh, support with your back, or keep the ribs open, or or push the ribs out, or, or sing from the diaphragm, anything like that is vastly imprecise. What we need is to redevelop our natural born given ability to create a compression in, in, into the rib container uh, that is variable, 
dependingly on uh, depending on the um, amount of resistance that the larynx provides to the outflow of air. Excellent. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, what what really springs to mind right now is just. Uh, it kind of goes down the line of what we've been talking about a lot recently, which is systems are just a little bit flawed when it comes to approaching parts of the voice. And we know that, you know, there's there's some approaches to voice and breathing that are very set. You know, you do this one thing, that's how it's supposed to be. Um, but when you have, as you've just explained, you have so many different muscles contributing to this process... Uh, that could all have excess tension. There could be bones that are twisted the wrong way. It's like it, when you think about it, it's such a riddle um, that there cannot be just one poke your belly out that's going to work. No, it has to be individualized. Yeah, it's so true. And that's <laughs> so it's like for singers, it's disheartening, isn't it? It's like, I'm sorry, but you're just going to have to visit a singing teacher. Yeah. <laughs> You've but, got no choice. And, and, and I think. At least in my perception, and I, I, I don't mean to be, you know, to say that every, everybody should think like me, but in my perception, voice teachers have to learn to identify which part of the ribcage do not move in a singer. Because any part of the ribcage that doesn't participate to the apoggio will then not absorb its part of pressure. And that part of pressure is going to bounce back under the throat. And that's going to cause excessive subglottal pressure, which is the, the, the main road to irritation and, and tiredness. And irritation, we're saying vocal injury, nodule, polyp, all that stuff. Well, there, Potentially. There's, there's a bit of controversy about polyps because some ENTs, you know, I do collaborate a lot with ENTs for damaged voices. And some of them have told me that we don't exactly know what causes polyps, that some of the times it's not due to use. But... Any vocal injury that's linked with how people use their voices, and I think that is most of the vocal injuries, is actually, in my perception, linked with excessive subtotal pressure. And, and just to rewind a bit there, Robin, when you say there may be some people thinking, well, how should my ribs move? I mean, we saw a wonderful uh, animation when we were in L.A. Um, yeah. I think that your team have, have uh, created yourselves. And uh, of of the movement of the ribs. Yes. So would you be able to just, obviously we haven't got the visual aid for this, but would you be able to outline exactly what, what a summary of what should be happening with the ribs when we're breathing? So basically when you are exhaling, your diaphragm, uh, which is a muscle lo located at the base of the lungs that sort of cuts you in two, your diaphragm will ascend. And as it ascends, it is gliding against the rib cage. Now the diaphragm forms a dome shape and the rib cage, when the ribs are correctly positioned, also has the shape of a dome. And so the idea is that the ribs are going gently downward towards the pelvis, circumferentially. So all, the whole the whole circumference is going down. Uh, and so, and again, this is not a collapse in the ribs. It's just the ribs moving slightly downward. And um, at the same moment, the diaphragm is going up, which means there is a double glide action of diaphragm and ribs, which are going in opposite directions. Awesome, which you say is the the natural way that, that the ribcage should move. And actually, the, what we've done to ourselves over the years means that we don't necessarily move in that way. But some manipulation of the intercostals and surrounding muscles can actually can help us regain our uh, proper movement in that area. Yes. yes, breathing coordination, it's okay, it's the name of our technique, but it's actually what every human being that is born without any large uh, neurological issues 
Every human being is born with it, but we lose it. And so it's it, the optimal movement of all the breathing mechanism. And our goal is to actually just get people back to that. And, and, and again, the only way we're going to get peak efficiency is if, if we can assess precisely what is that person's doing. Because somebody could be, you know, I could give you hundreds of examples. They're all different. You know, somebody will be will be tightening in the abs, somebody will be tightening in the lower back, somebody will be overextending the ribs, somebody will be over-inhaling, somebody will have excessive uh, reserve um, uh, volume, so high residual volume, if you will. Uh, so all of those things can be different, and even the high residual volume can manifest differently. Sometimes you'll have it more in the upper part of the, of the rib cage. sometimes it, it sticks up more in the back. I had a case of a man who had a lump in his back, and it seemed like that was what it was, and it was... Not a lump. It was high residual volume that was pushing on the ribs and the vertebrae. <laughs> your your colleague, <laughs> I led, I led on the treatment bed, Robin, uh -huh. and uh, your colleague looked at my chest. She was talking about high residual volume, volume anyway, and I said, uh, I, th I think maybe I can suffer from that. And she just, I can't remember exactly what she said, but it's something very close to. Yes, I'm trying my best to ignore that just for a minute. <laughs> and then she looked at like my rib cage, which was basically sticking out. <laughs> and uh, I could tell she was she was almost horrified at the amount I might have possibly had, uh, which was quite funny. But she helped me greatly in getting rid of that. Yeah. So, and it speaks also so highly about your talent because if with that high residual volume you've been able to sing everything you've sung and 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 do all the great things you've done this really speaks highly of you and your talent thank and, you and 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 what we are doing is just saying well look you still have this much more available to you that nature has given you why not use it exactly i just want to clarify that chris definitely hasn't sung everything he wants to sing i have i am actually brilliant as robin said and um i think because steve's had no problems i think that means he's probably worse than me is that right yeah, probably. Yeah, definitely. Robin. Uh, uh, <laughs> Robin, that's... um. Uh, there's a lot of information there that I think is... Uh, it's going to be new to so many people, uh, teachers, singers, whatever. Um, the, the approaches that you uh, are taking, I, I implore everyone to try them out. Um, from personal experience, again, Steve and I have had good good uh, experiences with these approaches. So, uh, so thanks to your organisation for that. But would you like to uh, just let our listeners know where they can find, firstly, you as a vocal coach, find out more about you on social media, and then find out more about your technique? Sure. Um, so my name is Robin De Haas, and so if you go to um, www.robindehaas.com, you will definitely uh, uh, find the different websites that I that I run. Um, we have a breathing coordination page on the on Facebook. Uh, there on on the on the website. So the website for breathing coordination is www.breathingcoordination.ch. Be careful, it's a ch because that's based in Switzerland, and I'm running it, so it was easier to do it from here. Um, and so there, you can go on uh, practitioners. You'll find like a section for practitioners, and you have a world map that shows you where you can find practitioners and you can click on the dots and it tells you who you know who is the closest practitioner in your part of the world uh, we currently have people in england we have people in slovenia we have people in america uh, we have people in germany switzerland france and uh and it's it's really well um you know i've published a, a, a book um uh recently and it's now really really taking on um and so there, we are training people in America. We are training people here in Switzerland. So there's one in Paris as well. Uh, so I think 
really, if you wish to find a practitioner, um, it's now an, an, an easy thing to do. And uh, so I'm located in Switzerland. Uh, I do uh, have people who fly over to come see me. So that's always doable from uh, uh, different parts of the world. And also if um, like uh, when I have touring artists or what, I also do have ways that I can, you know, cancel days of teaching and go to them like for a few days to get them ready for whatever. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm basically um, available, but I must say sometimes people also, if they just want a regular consultation with me, you have to be patient. Some of <laughs> it, it, uh, I mean, right now I'm selling appointments for next June. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, it's an amazing success. Mm. And so is your book actually on sale? Yes, it's on sale. It's everywhere, but it's in French at the moment. I'm going to translate it in English. Uh, the plan is I'm, I'm taking some time next April to translate it. Uh, so that should come out. Um, so at the moment, it's in French. So anyone who can read French, I recommend to read it. Um, <laughs> can we Google translate it? Is that possible? Uh, you can try. You can certainly try. <laughs> uh, but no, it's going to be translated. But uh, yeah, it's called La Voix de la Voix, which means um, it's a sort of a, a pun for the path of the voice. But it reads well in French, you know, the la voix de la voix. Yeah, the alliterative uh, is lost in English. Yeah. <laughs> but well done. Indeed it is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's why we couldn't, we, we know, I, I'm, I'm not yet, I'm not yet, I haven't found the English title yet, but I'm, I'm working on it. And uh, so, yeah, uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's just great because this work, it also really still makes a huge difference for people with lung disease. And so I'm about to go present for the um, Swiss Lung Doctors Association. They want to understand what, what it is we're doing and why we're having those results. So it's just great. It's, this work has gotten me also into um, you know, working for the United Nations as a, as a vocal consultant and uh, for top level um, uh, people who have to publicly speak. And so this opens up, um, uh, I mean, I would never have thought that I would be, uh, uh, you know, hired by doctors to tell them what I'm doing. I mean, this is, this is nonsense. And, uh, and so this is really exciting because um, um, good ventilation, you know, good use of the breathing mechanism is actually working for everyone. It, it help, it's helping people with lung disease, but it's also helping. I've had a teenager sent by her parents that has uh, trust issues and it has helped her so much just because she knew how to work her breath flow and to use it uh, when she had to speak in front of her class. So it's just so nice to, to um, see that it helps in so many ways of life. Oh, it sounds like you've got a wonderful life there, Robin, as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Always yeah, going on TV as well, probably getting free stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, uh, invitations and stuff. No, it's fun. It's really fun. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be actually uh, uh, three uh, in three different shows uh at the end of october on on the national television here in switzerland which is uh, you know I'm, I'm like okay sure no problem i mean i didn't expect it but you know if if they're calling and they 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 say that they read the book and they love it and they want to ask me about it i mean i'm, I'm saying fine I'm, i'll come excellent oh well good luck with those and again thank you so much for your time and your uh, expertise um yes everyone go and visit robin's site check out the book uh, watch the telly if you're in Switzerland. I know we have a few listeners there. Um, but for now, thank you, Robin, and have a, have a wonderful day. Well, thank you for having me, guys. There he goes. Off he trots. <laughs> <laughs> Off to his mountain in Switzerland. Mm. I think it's Switzerland. How will he get there? How's he getting there? Well, he's, he's a magical little being, so I'm pretty sure he's just going to click his finger.
Or his heels. When you said that, I just visualised him on a magic carpet. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's like Aladdin? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We ought to get pick drawings of these people in their superhero alter egos, shouldn't we? In the book that we write, these people can be featured. Are we writing a book? Why not? What's it about? Robin DeHaas dressed as Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> Guy, can, can we just ask you, or would you would you would you buy it? I mean, I, I know I know we can't hear them respond, but I'm pretty sure anyway would, there would have been silence in Unanimous. that, in that oh. gap. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so elaborate on the book. Yeah, so it's it's Robin DeHaas um, yep. flying to Switzerland on a carpet. Um, what's Dave Stroud doing? He's um, is he Captain America? Yeah, he's got his, he's got definitely got a shield um, and a, yeah, and a motorbike, and he's driving along the coast. You're going to reserve Iron Man for yourself, aren't you? Definitely, always yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you be doing? That's what I'm interested in. I think you'd be probably on a po- make, making everyone laugh. No, you're in a pogo stick. <laughs> how am I going to save the world with one of them? This, this isn't about saving the world. This is about how you travel. <laughs> This is the book, yeah? Yeah. How... How singing teachers travel. If they were superheroes. Aladdin's not a superhero, but he's no, quite magical. No, because like, what you're confusing this with is, like... Feel free to turn off now, by the way, guys. <laughs> Some of us are given superhuman powers. Some of us. You sound like you're speaking from the club and I'm on the outside. Oh. Oh. Awkward. Am I outside the circle of trust? Gesturing with my fingers. Where am I then? No. Where am I? No. Am I allowed in? No. Yep. So I get so I just get thrown on the outside of the bubble with a bloody pogo stick. <coughs> wow, this is great. It's great out here. Just... At least you'll be out of harm's way. <laughs> Leave it to the professionals. It's dangerous. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go for dinner. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was another one. Um, what we're doing next? Oh, next one, we're talking a little bit about vibrato, a bit about some other stuff. <laughs> you know, tune in. <laughs> <laughs> and there's your marketing training. I think it's been a long day, isn't it? We've done a lot today. I think it's just we we better just get out of this. I think we burnt it out on the webinar five minutes ago, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, guys. You're a bit of an afterthought. <laughs> <laughs> Have a cracking day. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>